If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a review and tap the follow button so that you never miss an episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Monday. You know what that means? It's time for another episode of RFRX, your prescription for coping. I'm your host, Kara, and I have with me the lovely, the amazing, the unofficial fearless psychic, Helen Green. Helen, how are you doing today? I am doing my best because it's Monday and yay. <laughs> and that's the best night of the week. It is yes. the best night. This is what makes Mondays worthwhile because I get to hang out with all you wonderful people. So, Kara, what are you doing for the love day tomorrow? <laughs> I am going to be, not tomorrow, but the following day, buying a lot of discount chocolate to eat, which I will very much enjoy. That is the myself. best idea ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is my favorite thing to do every day after Valentine's Day, because I like to pay half price for things, and I like chocolate. Yeah, in case, candy is expensive, so, you know, you got to... Yeah, it's like I just want a big bag of peanut M&Ms in red and white and I'll just be happy. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't have to share them. I don't I don't like sharing if I don't have to. And so that's the great thing about buying it for yourself and you just eat it. Yourself. That's right. That is true. <laughs> yeah. So how about you? What are your big plans? Um, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to go home, have a fundraiser meeting. <laughs> cuddle with my man for a little bit and then go to bed <laughs> there you go i like this plan so yeah. we are we are <laughs> doing our regular lives and enjoying them well i the figure we've been together for 18 years like every day is valentine's day i know that's gross Aww. you can all throw up now that's <laughs> so. cute right, i like so it you ready to get this show this pony show on the road doo, doo, i doo, am doo. ready <laughs> so Without further ado, I am going to introduce our guest this evening, who you may remember from a previous episode, uh, Dr. Jennifer Manlow. And since the mid-1990s, Dr. Manlow has worked as a professor, author, chaplain, and life clarity coach. She is a licensed family therapist, holds a Master's of Divinity, a PhD in psychology and religion with a specialization in gender identity. Now as a relational systems therapist, her sole focus is supporting people eager to be connected to others and themselves with greater courage and authenticity. And a common denominator for clients she sees is that they're navigating an important life transition. And it's especially relevant this evening, just in time for the dreaded Valentine's Day, uh, Dr. Manlow is going to be discussing her new book entitled Cracking Up, Notes of a Good Girl Gone Mad. And this book draws from her research as a scholar of gender, psychology, and religion, her professional experience as a secular therapist, and her personal experience being trained to be a good girl as a Roman Catholic in the late 20th century. So we will get into all that with her. And because, as I mentioned, Dr. Manlow is a working professional, she actually has had to step away for um, some work obligations. But don't worry, we have recorded a presentation that she's giving to us, a discussion about her book this evening, about this topic. And we're going to play that for you now. And she's going to come back in and be here live for the Q&A and the Hangout and everything like that. So she is here with us live this evening. Uh, and we have some 
some prepared remarks that she has made for us discussing her book. So we're going to begin with that. And uh, if you don't mind, go ahead and uh, not roll that tape because that's not what the technology is that we're using. But let's start that video. Well, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to see you, Kara. I am so excited to have you back on again. It seems like it's been about five months since you were on last, and I could not wait to have another conversation with you. And it turns out this is fortuitous timing because you have a book coming out super psyched to share it with people, but it's so great that you, you know, you and I get to chat in between times and I get to tell you, oh my gosh, it's coming. It's finally coming. So yes. And I am so excited for that. Yes. And so for, for people who don't know, can you tell us a little bit about your work that you're about to tell us about? <laughs> yes, I sure can. Well, it's, uh, you know, I'm just holding, having it right here. And it, you know, it's originally, I came up with this jacket with this woman on, um, with a mask on. And this, I, this was easily five years before the, the pandemic. So she has a mask on, but it's because she's carving into the carcass of, of, of uh, old ideas and pulling them up and out to look at the kind of the diseasing of the body, you know, with these old ideas. Um, as a young girl, um, I felt like I could crack up mentally based on all these lessons I learned as a young girl, being Catholic, but also in a culture where women were um, increasingly encouraged to be liberated um, uh, from strict strictures you know that were uh, repressive so cracking up it says is a, you know on the back of the jacket i'm reading is a girl book written in the form of a letter by that growling girl in me who cannot tell a lie oh yes that girl is really a fully grown woman who will now recollect all the peculiar advice she's received regarding what makes a young girl a successful woman so, and then I use the vehicle of a letter. So this book is written as if it were a, a, a letter of counsel to, to girls in general, but especially Catholic or religious girls um, so that they could know, you know, beware of the messages, beware, not just the religious messages, but the larger social political climate messages that have, uh, female fulfillment being a very mixed message. Um, yeah, so I, 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 I use the kind of framework of a letter because it frees up my voice to just be more, you know, conversational. And it also, I can also kind of elbow my, my nieces in my imagination. They're listening, right? I can go, can you believe we have been taught this stuff? this stuff about what makes a good girl and um, what makes a happy woman. Yeah, and I love that because, you know, last time uh, you were here, we talked a little bit about uh, you have an academic book as well that's, you know, very much more formal 
which is wonderful. I love reading that as well. And this one, though, has such a more kind of, uh, it's it's just a more fun feel to it. You know, it, it does, like you said, it kind of feels like having a conversation, you know, with with your aunt, for example, about, hey, here's some things that you might want to know about. Right, right. And it's okay to question. And before you and I were talking, uh, I mean, talking now, we talked a little about questioning being so radical. Um, if you've been raised as a religious person, you're raised to, you're raised to obey. You're raised to say uh, sorry for questioning and maybe even getting punished for, you know, kind of how dare, who do you think you are? to raise your, your ire, you know, um, to, to be offended by the law. And, um, yeah. and, know, and these kinds of, of tropes that you get into talking about and the messages that you received, I mean, it does kind of feel like people are giving you the law. And you even mentioned in some cases, some of these things are in fact written into law or at least protected by law. I don't know if any examples come to mind that you'd like to share about that, but I found that particularly fascinating. Well, definitely. I mean, just the overturning of Roe v. Wade, um, that's a protecting by law that women's bodies are not their own, um, that, that if you even help a woman who's trying to find safe and legal abortion, that you could be arrested as well as she. So just even driving someone to a, to a clinic across state lines, both of you could be arrested in 2023. That is, mm -hmm. a, a, you know, Margaret Atwood says that this is uh, the time um, that she would have thought that we would have been able to see and learn from history. But it is handmaid's tale time that we're somewhat living in. And I do feel, you know, obviously there's tons of progress too, but, but there are some real serious backlash to women's autonomy, bodily autonomy. Right. And, you know, package it however you want. That's what this is. You know, people can say it's, you know, various other reasons, but interesting how it seems to affect women's bodies, <laughs> not so much men's. Right. And the interesting thing, too, is why now? You know, we have 8 billion people on this planet. And uh, so why now? I do think it, it is a vexed issue that has a lot to do with racism. Um, we want to make sure women, largely white women, are still having babies. And um, so this law it's very much uh, in a backlash against choice and a backlash against a very multicultural world where, um, you know, we're seeing more folk in leadership that represent the world instead of just white folk. Um, and uh, that is frightening to some. Yeah, that's a really good point, you know, that you bring up here too, that, you know, there are a lot of different ways that women are affected by these kinds of laws and a lot of different 
sort of social situations and conditions that people may find themselves in that can impact uh, how the the legislation is is going to go and what it's going to mean for their lives this very differential impact uh, on people who have you know different different financial as well as social resources that, that's pretty terrifying and that's an interesting point that you make too about who it's perhaps being directed towards mm -hmm. yikes yeah. yikes yeah that's that, that sort of white male supremacy in the world it sounds so hyperbolic to use that term white male supremacy as if there's a plot but the thing is i'm really just pulling back the lens and pulling way back and looking it may not be plotted out like a map but there it is a kind of power arrangement that is sustained and it's sustained through our cooperation and everyone on uh everyone in the group um plays its part you know i'm sorry i keep coming back to this film that I've just seen called Women Talking. And it, it's so a microcosm of, of what we have in, um, in my opinion, in America as a re religious person, raised religious, um, that film was filmed in a barn. It was supposed to be a, a true story of women in the Mennonite tradition uh, in a place in Bolivia that were uh, experiencing sexual assault in, in high numbers from ages three to above 60, I think. Um, and um, uh, they were trying to strategize, do we leave this place? Do we stay and fight? Or do we stay and comply, you know, stay, obey kind of combo and just keep it quiet? And I feel like that, that this is a up for Academy Award, and I believe it is in part for best film, I believe, and best screenplay, um, because it is uh, it captures our time right now. Um, are we going to stay and pretend there isn't racial, gender, sexual violence, um, queer violence? Are we going to just keep going along and getting along or are we going to stay and just be angry or are we going to create a community that is more viable that allows for a variety and dignity of each human being regardless of um, their sexual preference whether they even want to be coupling or not um, whether they want to have children or not so it's a really powerful kind of very utopian um, film and I don't want to ruin it for anyone so I'm not going to say more but I, it feels like for my work in the world it feels very exciting for me that that conversation could be kicked off and you know how film just like radio uh can kick off good conversation well what absolutely kind of world, you know yeah. what kind of world do we want mm -hmm. and just the fact to me I love the title of that film and i think it's based on a book as well women talking i mean it's it's centering women's voices you know very explicitly and telling us that it's doing that like hey maybe we should listen uh, and and i love that that it's it's not men talking about women's issues for example not that there's anything wrong with men talking about these issues of course but 
we're talking about women talking. <laughs> this is this is who should be making decisions about these things. Exactly. Yes. And the Canadian writer Miriam Toes, I think is how you say her name. Mm -hmm. So she was the one who was formerly Mennonite. So that's kind of fascinating to have her tell this story mm -hmm. um, based on a community in Bolivia. Yes. Um, so anyway, I don't want to say more, but I do want to recommend it. <laughs> I do want to recommend it. Sarah Pauly is the director and I kind of feel like she has a little part in it and I don't know how I'd find mm -hmm. out, but she's a wonderful film director at several movies and also a, an actor. So that's I'm hoping <laughs> so that's enough about that. But popular culture is part of my this book, Cracking Up, because it does look at how girls and women uh, have been raised. Now, at, it doesn't look at how boys have been raised, but they have been raised uh, in the same uh, culture in, let's say, my a community of Catholics on Mercer Island where I grew up, uh, boys and girls raised in the same Catholic framework had the idea of what a good boy is, what a good girl is, and they were only two, binary. So uh, th that world, if you were queer or odd, and I like to use the word odd, meaning I'm not a binary, I don't fit what a good girl would look like and be like. I don't fit what a good boy or, uh, or good man would look like. So who am I? So though I don't identify as non-binary, I do identify as a person that didn't feel like I fit the good girl mandate. And for me, the good girl mandate would, I, I, I uh, sort of wrote down a little this is what I got. Is it okay if I just read you what I, I, I uh, sort of nutshell what I got? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, be a good girl. Be a good Catholic girl. Be a servant like Christ. Be a docile girl. Don't say no and don't, don't uh, talk back, right? Be a desirable girl. Be a playboy money girl be eager to be married girl be a mother whose clock is ticking girl be a mom who hasn't lost her girlish figure be a career girl if you dare because you could be an old maid uh, who never found her man um, if you're bookish you're probably plain um, and finally if you are alone you're probably a cat lady who's wacky and will die alone so that's what that's the life and times of what i in my book a nutshell of what i was taught but then kara you get uh this moment in time that we're in where all of that seems to be Royal, it could be me just projecting my unique experience, but it seems to be roiling right now. And I don't want to make it a political because I know your audience is diverse. So I don't want to single out any one politician or anything. But there has been so much, uh, so many accusations of sexual violence and um, uh, gendered violence. And um, in the political arena and as we were saying before legally 
there is even more control seeming to be uh, marshaled in the Supreme Court even. Again, majority are Catholic uh, and um, seems like there's a quite a bit of a slap down on uh, women's autonomy. And um, so I do feel these things seem to come together. There, there's this pressure cooker of good girl obeys, good girl wants to be a mommy, good girl isn't sexual, but she um, needs to want sex when I do, Come call, call it he. So the binary, she fits a good binary. But see, I, the, the reason I chose cracking up is because you'll go crazy if you are tossed in this tumbler of these binaries um, of good and bad and girl and boy and straight or uh, straight. And I have straight or um, alone. Like you don't, it's not straight or queer, it's straight or alone. Um, and that was the warning, be coupled. So anyway, that all comes back to Valentine's Day being the coupling of the year time. Um, I just like to say that pressure to be a couple can also make people feel they don't fit a binary. Yes, I love that you brought that up and that we're having this conversation now, right before Valentine's Day, because I know that's that's one of those occasions that can really cause a lot of stress and anxiety for people who are worrying about, you know, their relationship status and, you know, maybe it's not fitting this expectation. That's that can be uh, a difficult reminder for people that they're not, you know, quote unquote, doing it right. But who who says <laughs> that that's the right thing? Why do you have to be a couple on Valentine's Day? I can buy my own chocolates. I mean, <laughs> and because I'm a couples therapist, I see, um, I see people with tremendous heartbreak that these promised bliss through binary, you know, husband wife coupling or male female coupling and marrying and happy ever afters you would think, oh, Jen, people know better now. We're not children. We're not Disney, you know, et cetera. But we were raised on Disney. So it's good to remember, um, you know, uh, this, this uh, happy ever after pressure um, is part of why people say we better go to therapy because we're not happy ever after. So that's when they come to see me and say, what's the deal? When I was shopping for her or him, they looked this certain way. When I bought him, her, meaning married them, I thought they would stay this way. And instead they turned into someone else. So that we both are, you know, in terms of these binaries, uh, they're both partnering in a false binary you know it's first off we're not really those things but we're pretending to be something so that we get something called relationship or couple and then we wonder why we're not happy well first off we're bought we bought you know this is a consumer model and a contract-based happiness if you look like your post or your selfie or your, um, you know, your uh, 
Tinder image, then I can get you. And if I get you, I can make you love me. And um, if you, if I can make you want me and love me, we can get married. I mean, it's very consumer driven. Um, really uh, is. I hadn't thought about it in quite those terms before, but you're right. It's, it's like, we've just completely commodified, commoditized, uh, turned people into commodities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so dehumanizing. Yeah, no wonder. I, I, I don't disagree. You know, we, we complain a lot about how, you know, oh, Valentine's Day, it's just a commercial marketing gimmick. Oh, well, and yeah, in a lot of ways, I think that's probably true. But it seems like maybe we've turned the whole relationship into that as well, or the whole relationship trope, as it were. It, and uh, that idea of feeling swindled, you know, um, I, I, she sold me a bag of, you know, a false bag of goods, <laughs> you know, or he said he would rescue me or whatever. But I, you know, when I worked in domestic violence hotlines, um, I did hear um, that uh, he was my knight in shining armor. You probably remember me telling you that before, but I wish it were only once or twice, but every single woman I worked with used that term. When we first met, he was my knight in shining armor. And um, <clears throat> I think that's just a great example that those Disney, no shade Disney, but raised us uh, to think that, that there is a, a rescue that mm -hmm. we need yes what is this with we need to be rescued right whose fantasy is this what what is this doing for women <laughs> you know mm. yeah I, oh i hate those tropes and i'm so glad that we have started to see you know uh, some different kinds of messaging for girls in in shows i i like that but it does seem like some of these these old outdated tropes sure are hanging on hard right right and and i do think there is an effort to be more um spacious and oh you know even you know i'm thinking of valentine's day again we come back to that but you know can we find um you know is there a higher suicide on valentine's day you know i know with super bowls some days there's supposedly you know um research that's shown there's uh, about a 15% jump of uh, domestic violence hotline calls. And um, so, you know, again, you know, these are stressful themes. Um, um, uh, do, you know, do I have a real man? If I'm a, a real woman, do I have a real man? Is he, how do I know? because he loves football or I, I love a man, I love football, whatever. But the main thing is I'm kind of hyper-masculine here. And if my team loses, I'm going to hit somebody. If my team wins, I'm going to celebrate by breaking stuff. I mean, you know, you see those uh, uh, flipping cars. These aren't only men that do this. But if they were, um, you know, lar if largely white men celebrating, right, uh, through violence is not punishable by law, it seems. 
Um, but when it becomes men of color, say throwing things or breaking, tipping over a car, they're going to jail. And um, so I do kind of feel there's this double standard again with who's, what do we call violence? Uh, oh, it's just boys being boys or, you know, is that the way we rationalize it? That's if they're white, I have to say. So um, gender and race, uh, socioeconomic place, um, it seems that there are some common themes uh, that, that people feel afraid of breaking out of, of their team. Uh, you know, I mean, that, that sort of coming back to the Mennonite story is if I question how power moves here, I might be excommunicated. And I think that, again, I may, this may sound like a jumble, but, you know, I do feel that part of why we see more violence is that people don't know who they are or what team or group they belong to. And because they're not at the top anymore, white male, I'm talking now, they feel displaced and replaced. And that's in part while you, you hear um, the Jews will not replace us. Remember that march um, with the uh, right, um, the neo-Nazi march? Yeah. Oh, yes, that was awful. So, yeah, I do feel that, that, that I'm, this isn't out of nowhere that we have these binaries being so threatening is people don't know who they are and people who are uncomfortable as we are with when we're uncertain, we will try to punish difference and say there are only two teams, you know, and my team's going to win. And if it doesn't, I'm going to throw a fit. And that comes back to why domestic violence goes up during um, sporting events. Yeah, that's such an interesting point. And I can see why that would be the case if it's kind of a, a performance of this sort of over the top, you know, violent masculinity, you know, depending on the sport. Mm -hmm. I can see exactly how that would spill over in that way. And mm -hmm. yeah, I, I wonder what else are, are there any other ways you can think of that some of these, you know, very, I like how you describe those kind of binary relationship options stop people from being able to find happiness or, or understand who they are as themselves? Question. That's a great question. Besides these romantic binaries, what other binaries? Yeah. Is that what your question is? Uh, yes. You, I'd love to know what you think, Kara. I know you've thought about this a lot too. Oh, I, man. I mean... Yeah, I'm, I'm hardly an expert on this kind of thing, but I mean, I, I think you're exactly right. It's, it's kind of one of those things where if you learn from a young enough age that there's only, you know, these two options, I, I feel like the conclusion that people are almost bound to come to if they don't exactly fit one of those is that, well, the problem must be me. You know, these are the, the options that I've been presented and, and I don't fit into them. And, and, I'm being told that this is all there is. This is natural, you know. 
if I'm not this way, maybe I'm broken. And I, I can't help but wonder if, if it's the same thing with, you know, these relationship expectations that you were mentioning too, where, you know, you have to be a couple, it has to look a certain way, it has to be like the two and a half kids and white picket fence, or else there's something wrong with you. Right. And I'm sure that that isn't the case. I imagine, you know, you mentioned a lot of people coming, you know, for therapy, you know, to understand why they're not happy in this, you know, very particular relationship, I imagine it's probably been the case that many of those people would have been happier not in that relationship. Yes. And uh, that was just not an option. And that's why I say, when I ask them, what were you taught about being a good, I, I'm, you know, I'm kind of fascinated too. I want to help them, but I also want to understand what were you taught about a good relationship? What were you taught about being a fulfilled adult? You know, and the thing is, there's no neutral adult. It's fulfilled man, fulfilled woman, and they really do look different. And even for progressive people with lots of education, they were still taught dad works, mom stays home and, and uh, works, uh, but uh, we don't call it work because it's not paid, but the mom does a whole bunch of stuff and it's her job and dad comes home after earning and puts his feet up and mom doesn't ask anything of him because he's worked hard all day. And honest to God, you would think 20, you know, 2023 that I wouldn't hear things like that. But I do. Now I hear a lot of couples going, the women in the couple, I don't want that. I do not want that. So how do we make this work where he doesn't resent me for me asking to, to participate in rearing our children and caring for our home and its surroundings? Um, and that also the social, that woman being the link to sociality, you know? Um, so Anyway, that, that's a big problem. Now, I don't think I'm living, no offense, in the rural South. I'm not. I'm living in progressive, you know, educated, more people with their masters than almost any state, you know. Um, and uh, this is still these very old-fashioned ideas of what is a given in a couple. <clears throat> yes. Oh, you're so right. And I'm just thinking, you know, the same thing. I've I've heard so many people recently and, and people that I don't think of as being, you know, very old fashioned or or anything who have said things like what you're describing to me, like, you know, well, you know, my husband gets his identity from his work and that's normal for men. But, you know, for women, we don't care that much. You know, for women, we don't care. Right. Yeah, I, um, I, I just think of my grandmother, who was an amazing young person who loved languages, loved learning about culture, you know, and that's pretty rad for the, you know, the early, I mean, 1900s, and, you know, she um, got married, um, he graduated college really young as a teenager and went to um, the Library of Congress uh, for her first job. And her husband followed her, her fiance. They only held hands, she told me, until they got married. 
eh, which I, <laughs> but he had to finish law school before they would get married. And um, anyway, linguist, romance languages were her, was her um, undergraduate, very bright. And um, she uh, left Washington State to work at the Library of Congress on her own. Um, this sounds like a really incredible thing. And yet at, uh, you know, she was very conservative, um, believe it or not, about marriage. Um, she definitely thought it's good to have an education. Um, but, you know, but what I learned through the generations is, but you should have something to fall back on. Um, but the thing is, the thing that you fall back on is your career. The thing you depend on is your husband. So, um, you know, education was to fall back on. And so I know, even though that in the big picture, none of the women in my family would ever sound like this if we were to bring them here. But the thing is, it's in there. I've even heard as early, you know, as this year that so-and-so might be an attorney uh, I, and I said, oh, wouldn't that be great? Si you know, civil rights attorney. Wow. Oh, no, 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 no. She really wants to be a mom. So I said, can she not do both? Well, she'll be more fulfilled as a mother. So I really did hear that. And I'm not going to name names, but um, that was 2023. So uh, I do feel things are weird. As one person says, we're like rocks in a tumbler, you know, uh, it's bumpy here. Are we going to be polished, you know, uh, separate polished rocks? Or are we going to be some kind of mix of a whole that is improving? And I'd like to believe we're going to be a diverse bunch who continue to improve and polish each other. Um, it's yes, tough, it's an odd time. It is. And, and that's why I think, you know, books like yours are so important to call attention to these kinds of things and, and say it out loud, you know, instead of walking around with everyone having these kind of tropes and relationship guidelines in the back of their head, let's, let's pull them out and examine them and see if we want to keep these or not. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you had to pick a few of, of the top kind of, you know, relationship rules or, or tropes that you would like to get rid of, which ones do you think we could definitely do without <laughs> moving oh, forward? Wonderful. Well, um, gosh, two come to mind. One just basic one is that women, um, oh God, you know, I'm sorry, that movie's just so working on me still, but that you know, oh gosh, we got to pause for a second. I'm going to breathe. Thank you. I need, I think it's time for a deep breath. So I'm going to take a nice deep breath. Excellent. <sighs> Excellent idea. <laughs> but Something I, I need to do more. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, what comes to mind are, the biggest one is women are not their bodies. And I think, uh, you know, we've had, you know, since, gosh, obviously the women's movement has said we need a bodily autonomy, right? So in the early days, 
in the early 70s, that was what was fought for um, a lot. It was a major piece of the work. And in, um, uh, I think in the 80s, it was much more women need to be able to have equal power and equal pay, something we haven't yet achieved. But that was very much a kind of autonomy of, of earning was a very big focus. And um, so I think these themes of, but she's a, 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 a woman, so she can't be president, you know, she can have autonomy, but not be president. What if she gets her period, you know? So again, the, this power and body seem to go hand in hand with why women should be limited and controlled on the, like you say, you know, I was saying before protected, she needs to be protected from her body, um, uh, bodily uh, struggles that affect her brain um, and her capacity to think rationally. So, um, so for me, women as bodies, uh, that would be a good one to toss. Um, you know, that uh, the other is, uh, the other thing to toss is that women's bodies are for men, straight men in this case, um, that women need to, this is what I'd like to have tossed out, that women, you are your body and your body must be desirable to, to a man. And you must find a man and have him as your own and have his children as your own and be proud. And then you'll be happy. Those are the things that I was taught that I had to almost lose my mind over, right? Crack up. I believe they are such not true for me experiences and not liberating for me experiences that I kind of want to lift the rug up and go, hey, everybody, you don't have to do that. Um, and that may be a worthwhile thing to question. Um, you don't have to not do it either, but I'm just saying that's not for everybody. And um, so I do feel, you know, the crack up part of it is you should and do want that. You should and do want that. Well, what if I don't? What should I do? And that's that's where I like us to think together critically. You know, what, what if we loved what we loved and we weren't so afraid that that might not fit two, two things, you know? Um, uh, what if we loved what we loved and, and the arrangements that people um, chose to be in for actualizing that love um, had variety, you know, would that be so threatening? And uh, I know, you know, uh, it's just very rare that you hear people say um, to, a, a, in this case, single woman are, you know, it's just so rare to say, how's, how are you enjoying your single life? You know, that's assuming you're, you're, you know, uh, hooking up all the time. It's never assumed that you're enjoying your life um, as a, a singular person. You know, it's assumed you're almost married. 
So you're single still, you know what I mean? So there's, it's a very dependent uh, hallway. You're in the hallway. When are you going to come over to this room called happiness that is about being coupled? So, and that's my experience. You know, I do feel not everyone can relate to what I'm saying, but um, I, I definitely feel there is room for this conversation. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. You know, it, it's, and I, I like the way you put it too, where, you know, it's not that people can't want these things or there's something wrong with wanting these things, but it surely doesn't describe everybody. And maybe we need to have room for them too. Right, right, right. And, and uh, let them, their voices be heard, their questions be heard. Mm -hmm. um, the multiplicity being, you know, I, I always just say, why is love so threatening to love what we love? love who we love, um, love doing what we love. Um, you know, they don't always have to have a, a, a fit life magazine in the fifties, you know? Yes. Um, so, yes. and I, we see people suffer and I used to say, you know, I've really given it a lot of thought because this book cracking up, it really is meant to speak to mental health challenges because of the mixed, mixed messages. And um, it is also meant to inspire laughter because of the mixed messages. They're so absurd. I have images in here and I have a, a, an illustrator um, who's helped me with the images named Chris Diaz. And um, it's it, we're having so much fun because the images uh, of what women are supposed, what girls are supposed to focus on how advertising was trying to prep them to be desirable bodies, um, how um, they're supposed to always want to be smaller, and, and if they're going to be in a happy heterosexual marriage, they have to stay slender, and uh, even after they've had babies, which is what they're supposed to want more than anything in the world, they're supposed to return to their girlish figure to keep their man and um, just, you know, wow, what a tilt uh, to tell and train people that you're not gonna be fulfilled if you're not hooked up to this system, this, this uh, machinery of where you're constantly working on being smaller. And again, for males on the planet, you constantly have to be bigger then you feel inside. You're constantly having to be richer than you feel you could ever be. And you certainly could be fat and ugly, but you better be making money if you want a woman. And those are terrifying things for men as well. Uh, I won't be loved if I'm uh, not uh, fitting some kind of marble man, you know, uh, abundance of wealth and masculinity. Um, so I do feel, um, they may not worry so much as much as women are taught to about their figure, their frame, but they do worry about their earning and, um, both men and women again are commodified. And we see this, if you look at, uh, Tinder, uh, you can really see <laughs> what I'm talking about. 
people who don't know about online dating will probably wonder what I'm saying. But the, the thing is, there is such a sales of gender of binaries, you know, buy this, fall into this, or at least buy into this, um, that you'll be happy if. But for the men, you'll be happy if you have money and autonomy and a bracelet called a female on your shoulder, on your hand. Um, women, you'll be happy if you have a man. I mean, it's not, the, the, the man as bracelet isn't the deal. It's you, in my training, be happy if you have a man, children who look beautiful and have children who look beautiful and are, and are smart, but not too smart if they're girls. Um, because two smart girls will never have a man. So I, uh, honest to God, I'm trying to offer a, a rosy picture here, but that was the training. And it's not just family. I do believe these are kind of religious things too, that there's a religious terror of female autonomy. And with the even witch trials that we know of, women own land. That was a big deal. And, and the church wanted that land. So um, we're going to find uh, a way to take that land. She shouldn't have it. Um, God intended that land to be toiled by men and women to multiply, you know, um, be blessed by the fruit of the womb, you know. So um, I do feel these. Uh, these are old religious ideas um, and they are held oddly held up by um, certain popular trends we see by our culture in general, this, uh, this uh, uh, capital acquiring culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting point about how, you know, maybe why some of these harmful and clearly outdated tropes continue to hang on you know if there's money behind them and religious fear behind them that's that's hard to change those kind of beliefs Absolutely. well what do you think people can do like people who have been given these these mixed messages and and they're thinking eh, something isn't right here but maybe they're they're still feeling ashamed for for not matching with those images what what can people do to kind of get that out of of their head or is there anything we can do well first off thank you for your show and thank you for uh, uh the resources that you make available to people through your link that they follow there's several uh resources i am such a believer in community and dialogue and i anytime someone says i'm miserable i always say well who are you talking to because i as your therapist, I'm just one person, and I like people to meet people with similar interests of, or similar concerns. I can't hook you up, you know, to every group that that I love, you know, because I don't want to be, you know, pushing any kind of solution to people. But I do think when I have folks who are um, questioning, do I fit? 
my gender, I hook them up to gender questioning groups. You know, there's, uh, I used to be part of a group called Emerging Gender, and that it didn't mean you know who you are or anything, but you want to talk about what does it mean to be male? What does it mean to be female? What if I don't really relate to my mom's hope for me as a girl or as a boy? My dad's not proud of me. I don't like sports, you know, or whatever. Um, so conversations to me is a great place. I believe we need more conversation. And I do think with COVID, folk have almost calcified into uh, their own um, um, kind of private life, you know, uh, isolated life, so that they're almost stuck there now. Even though we're taking off our masks, there's an element of coming outside of ourselves that isn't happening. And I would like that to happen more. Um, but conversations with um, safe people, and I do believe they can find some links in your chat. Um, um, and I'm happy to share what I can, but community is the answer for me of questioning others questioning others, not people who agree with me necessarily, but questioning. Because when we don't have that, we only have the dominant cultural pressures to belong. And that the belonging to the dominant culture means cutting off parts of ourselves. So if I were to belong, I would have to fit the status quo, which would mean be a good feminine girl, be a docile, pretty, smaller bodied, um, male uh, wanting, et cetera, procreative girl. And um, wow, well, what other kind? Um, well, there's the sad girl. Remember, you know, so it's like the happy girl has all those things. The sad girl is uh, someone who um, thinks critically and is a thorn in my side, you know? So that critical thinker, it doesn't have a good name in this arrangement. Um, but I would definitely say when this is how, even in the uh, 20s in World War One women, uh, post-World War One. sorry, um, women would be sewing together. It, it, they called them sewing circles. But believe it or not, those women were the or, or origin of the anti-war movement. So um, they would talk about having lost their sons or brothers in World War One, And through that organizing, um, hearing, excuse me, each other, they organized to uh, try to find alternatives to war. So for me, the conversation starting is, is the site for real creativity. Um, that's, my, I, that's my faith, I have to tell you, Kara. I, I love it. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, such a great point, you know, being here and, and starting the conversation with us is awesome and i know we have a lot of people who have questions that they're going to want to ask you but before we go to the the q a is there anything else that you do want to talk about this evening well that's a great 
questions. First off, I'm so excited to talk to people because that's the joy. I mean, I actually been wanting you to talk more. Uh, and I know that this is your show, but I know um, that I, I just appreciate your heritage as well. And I know you were raised Protestant, I Catholic, and um, that there are similarities. Like um, Protestants, I think, aren't they the movement of the purity ball? And um, Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We had all that. <laughs> and you get engaged basically to Jesus and you get your your purity ring and you are bound by that or else uh, and it's it's a lot and I know that's a I, I guess the purity balls were kind of a I don't know maybe that started in the 90s I want to say but but that messaging you know that that goes into those you know goes much farther back like you were mentioning this idea of you know women being valued for their bodies and in this case for their bodies being you know quote unquote virginal uh and you know a prize for a man to i don't know conquer um, it's it's a very plant kind of gross seed. imagery plant his seed yes 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 yeah fertile yeah fertile soil so mm -hmm. wow and and then the that the desiring body is always male but where's mm -hmm. the desiring female body that's the one that's apologizing for her sins mm -hmm. if she desires and in my book i look at desire for women is often not about sex as more about food and i even have research that shows women more i mean again want want ice cream more than an orgasm I know that <laughs> now I don't mean that's true right I'm just saying the research um, um, that I uh, will post in the in the notes talks about a survey uh, it says one in five women or one in five Americans eat ice cream in bed more women admit to eating ice cream in bed than men and more women eat ice cream as a meal compared to men Younger women lead the pack, according to this survey. This includes eating ice cream instead of a meal, sneaking extra servings, keeping a secret stash, and eating ice cream in bed. Okay. Then the survey says um, that, um, you know, people, um, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, this one. Sorry, mom, I'm quoting you. My mother said to my sister, be careful not to have premarital sex because it's just like eating a hot fudge sundae. You'll just want another. So it's best not to even have one. Oh, that's, that's so sad. That's from, my book. <laughs> from my book. Sorry, mom. I know she's listening. So, um, but anyway, so I would love to look at the Protestant and Catholic, you know, questions about uh, purity, certainly in, um, the Catholic tradition, Mary was a virgin and supposedly the Holy Spirit impregnated her, but um, she was the only um, teenager, pregnant teenager, unwed, that wasn't punished. Now, unwed teenager, uh, someone that would really have to ha go in a special school um, in my, even in my era, girls that got pregnant 
would be sent to some kind of school, boarding school for not for wayward girls. So Mary was the only not wayward girl um, who was a pregnant mom, teenager. But I would love to hear, you know, I know we, in terms of the ideal female, also as Protestants and Catholics raised, probably got a little bit different tilt. I, ours was heavy on um, wanting nothing. Like we were really into the fasting saints. Um, if you're going to be a good woman, you've got to be a good um, suffering servant. I don't know if that was big in, in the Protestant traditions as much, but, you know, imitating Jesus, like, let's say Mother Teresa, the biggest hero, heroine, she used to talk, I am nothing, God is everything, I am an uh, empty vessel, I am, uh, she said, uh, a pencil, and God is the lead, in the hand of God, God is the lead, like, I am empty. So there's a lot of emptiness and I don't know if that focus was as big. Yeah. And I don't know um, if my experience is necessarily, you know, all of, you know, the Protestant versions, there's probably several, but that wasn't as big uh, in, in the churches and the schools that I went to. It was more about the being meek and silent and not arguing and very much the, uh, the Proverbs 31 woman, that was a big thing. It's in that chapter, it describes, I guess, what's supposed to be an ideal wife or something. And it was always going back to that. Well, you need to go to Proverbs and be that way. And of course, I remember on one occasion pointing out, well, the woman in that chapter is like owning a business or managing business. Um, so is that what you mean? No, 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 no. You're taking that out of context. It's not that. You need to be more quiet. <laughs> wow, that's a great, great. I, I, can I read that proverb just real quick? Sure. Okay, the perfect wife. How hard is it to find the perfect wife? She is worth far more than jewels. Her husband depends on her. He will never be poor. She does good for her husband all her life. She never causes him trouble. She's always gathering wool and flax and enjoys making things with her hands. She is like a ship from a faraway place. She brings home food from everywhere. There sounds like a businesswoman. She wakes up early in the morning, cooks food for her family and gives servants their share. She looks at land and buys it. She uses the money she's earned in plants and vineyard. She sounds like a genius. She works very hard. She is strong and able to do all her work. She works late into the night to make sure her business earns a profit. She makes her own thread and weaves her own cloth. She always gives to the poor and helps those who need it. She does not worry about her family when it snows. She has given them all good warm clothes. She makes sheets and spreads for the beds and she wears clothes Sorry, and she wears clothes of fine linen. Her husband is a respected member of the city council where he meets with other leaders. I'm assuming men. She makes clothes and belts and sells them to merchants. She is a strong person. People respect her. She looks to the future with confidence. 
She speaks with wisdom and teaches others to be loving and kind. She oversees the care of her house. She is never lazy. Her children say good things about her. Her husband brags about her and says, there are many good women, but you are the best. Grace and beauty can fool you, but a woman who respects the Lord should be praised. Give her the reward she deserves. Praise her in public for what she has done. Now, I'm not sure that, that that's the gateway Bible I just pulled up. But uh, I love that she's a businesswoman. Yes, and it's not a minor part of the passage. It's kind no. of the whole thing that she's doing all day. And it was always so surprising to me that this was the text that people would be referred to. And, and yet, in the same breath, it would be, well, you know, you need to stop trying to do men's work and you need to you know be more quiet and a woman's place is in the home and i would always have these arguments and say that's not what this says <laughs> right that is i just love it she's uh an entrepreneur and uh, uh an artist as well those are two really cool things that i don't believe are taught <laughs> in bible studies i haven't seen no. that but now I could be wrong. And I know uh, I have very, very dedicated religious uh, people in my family and they are um, uh, trying to be um, conversational with other traditions. So I don't mm -hmm. wanna dismiss um, biblical traditions. I'm, in this case is what we're focused on. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I definitely know there are people out there saying, hey, how can we make this, um, open up the dialogue between traditions and how can we like we're doing right now just talk mm -hmm. about what this says and how rad it was to say hey speak up positively towards your your partner so I mean I think that's pretty cool uh and certainly we don't hear that um as much when we um are seeing violence being tolerated I know mm -hmm. when I did domestic violence research my initial work was to educate ministers and uh at, part of why i went to seminary was to educate ministers on domestic violence so that they would stop preaching from the pulpit that women need to cover their heads and be silent like it says in um in uh, the pauline literature in the new testament or what uh greek greek testament uh, for Christians. And um, yes, yeah, so for me, I was really concerned with the biblical passages that had women be silent, cover their head, don't speak. Um, you know, that's for men. Uh, and, and you've heard me say, if you can't pee like Jesus, you can't be like Jesus. And um, um, so for me, I think, um, you know, I mean, even at Princeton uh, Seminary, men were tacking up notes on the church's door that said women should be silent and cover their head, as it says in 2 Timothy. Um, wow. That was on the door at Princeton in the mid-80s. They tacked it like Martin Luther. So oh, I'm going to say it. That's so tacky. Yeah. I, I I mean to me, you know, anything I love I love diversity, right? I'll fight for your right to stand against what I'm saying or whatever. But really, that's pretty 
pretty disturbing in the, and again, 21st, you know, 20, late 20th century at that time. Um, yeah. 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 It, if anybody it, says, it tells you that there's a, an increasing shrinkage to the majority rule, right? Mm. So, hey, wait a minute. We have too many women here in this seminary. Mm -hmm. uh, more and more women and people of color and queer people preaching from the pulpit. We got to shut you people up because Jesus said, and of course, as we, you and I know, Pauline literature, secondary literature, um, uh, Paul's students supposedly writing what they knew about Jesus, which Paul didn't even know Jesus, right? So Jesus lived 90 years before Paul wrote a word or uh, died. So, so we've got this extended literature going down the line that is um, sounding more and more hostile to female voices. And um, that, that is exactly why, is that they were white, uh, in this case, not white, but in the, the, the powers that be were losing the, um, the sense that they are calling the shots. So once we hear, you know, it's like, cover your heads, be quiet. Well, if you have to say, cover your heads, be quiet, that meant someone was speaking up. And so good on those early women who were reading the literature in ways that sounded more liberating because that's what they did is they said, here in the text, we have this woman who's running her own business. What do you say about that? You know, like uh, that's all they're doing is talking. And uh, I think that uh, that's sort of where we are. Let's have these important conversations. Um, things don't change by being good, by being a good girl. Um, things do not improve for all of us if, uh, if uh, any part of the population is silenced. Um, yeah, and, excellent. Uh, excellent so, points. We're, yeah. so, we're so privileged to have this, this chance to talk now. And I hope for more voices to come up and be heard. Yes, and thank you so much for, for coming on and talking with us about this. And I think this is probably a good time to actually go to the Q&A. So let's do that. Okay, and we will now transition to the actual Q&A. So we have here with us Dr. Manlo, if you would like to uh, go ahead and unmute. There you are. Hi. Hello. Hi, everybody. Hello. Welcome. That was love such a great conversation. And love all the chats. They're brilliant. <laughs> yes. And we are super excited to be able to have some Q&A time with you this evening. You are in high demand, so we will get right down to it. And uh, if anybody does have uh, additional questions that you didn't already put in the chat, please feel free to drop those in the chat and we'll get through as many of them as we can in the next few minutes. And then uh, we'll, we'll wrap up after that and move to the Hangout and we can continue the conversation there as well. So, okay, first up, I like this first question that we got. Someone is wondering, are you hopeful for the future or do you think it's going to get worse before it gets better? Great question. Um, 
Gosh, I, I, I mean, I, you know, in the eighties, I would have thought things were improving. You know, I'm sure civil rights movement, same thing. They, it's like, oh, we got laws. We know that you can't change hearts and minds with laws, uh, civil rights laws, but it can certainly be a beginning, you know, um, a site for, you know, social uh, justice is now going to be easy, more easy to fight for, we thought, in the civil rights um, legislation. So the same thing goes in the 70s. We thought women were going to have uh, uh, support for safe and um, safe medical procedures should they need an abortion. And that was something that was their constitutional right to have that get overturned. Um, I would never have predicted that. Now, other people know who have been on the forefront that that there are there's a body of people that have been working to have those that Roe v. Wade overturned since the beginning. And um, that I, I, I sort of took notes that 26 states were poised to enact bans right on when that was overturned. So that it went right into action. So half of those went immediate into immediate effect and used Justice Alito's um, a Catholic uh, quote that there's no exception for incest or rape. And so this very much goes back to this idea why is women's autonomy so threatening? Why must why must their bodies be someone else's? And and uh, they were chattel, as we know, in biblical era, not un not unlike cows and camels. I guess it would be camels, um, chattel. So um, if you had one of those, it was for you to to use. And if someone else used your wife you could kill your wife and that other person because that was yours that wife was yours so it, it, it was an object of yours males so um you know this this is i know people would say oh jen that's quite a stretch you're not chattel but i'm like well wait you're making my body something you decide what happens to it and you can arrest me if I should choose um, to take my body into my own hands um, and get the medical help I need, safe medical help for an abortion, um, I shouldn't have to make a case for my, my uh, right to it. It's my body. But um, people are, well, we're gonna not only arrest you, we'll arrest the gal or guy or person who drove you um, across the state lines because it was illegal in our state. So this is, I would never have thought it would get this bad. Sorry for the long answer to your question, but I would never have imagined that Handmaid's Tale would be closer to our reality in 2023. Um, but uh, as Margaret Atwood said in her book, the first page, I believe, that everything you're going to read in here has happened or is happening. None of this is made up these these atrocities of, of uh, human rights. So um, yeah, I don't wanna be hopeless. 
I am very much, you know, an educator for years, I had really thought information that was, uh, could be enlightening. You know, I believe that if we had the knowledge, we would have uh, new behavior. And so for me, when, uh, you know, once I saw politicians getting into office who were talking about grabbing women by the pussy and they let you do it if you're famous, I actually thought, are you kidding me? This guy is in office. I know that I could seem naive to uh, people on the Hill, but um, it just got worse. So for me, things have gotten worse. How much worse are they going to get? I do. I mean, I'd like to believe there's going to be a stopping point to what seems to be out of control, um, you know, entitlement to not only women's bodies, but to saying, LGBTQ folk uh, can't, you know, get surgery, can't serve in the military, can't, you know, like things that we sort of fought and won, we thought, uh, have slid. So what I've learned is everything we thought we fought and won has to be vigilantly protected. And um, so that's up to us. Yes, that's up to us. And uh, I do believe wherever you can be continually informed and informing beyond posting on social media, because that's not going to go too far, but can you get on the ground? Can you get to um, uh, your civic conversations in face-to-face, mask-to-mask time? Um, these are really important uh, things we can do is to come out and talk. I just this morning had a great talk with my differently committed relatives. And some of them had, you know, uh, really have strong opinions of even about the Super Bowl and Rihanna, you know, and how that was obscene and, you know, this kind of thing. And um, we had a really civil conversation about our concerns about women as bodies and being rendered um, only read on the, the level of the surface. So yes, there's hope if we keep being involved <laughs> um, and not just social media, you know, anyone can post a TikTok. It's not a bad place to begin, but it's not a place to stay and end. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Great points. It's it's discouraging, but it sounds like there's a little bit of hope in there too if we take action. So I like that perspective. And start small. You know, it does. You know, Gandhi. I know someone spoke about Gandhi's not exactly perfect, and no no activist has been, but um, he did say your little teaspoon contributes to the great ocean. And um, so start in your relationships to be curious, compassionate curiosity, like help me understand how you got there. Um, someone said, well, how, you know, how can we do that with an incel, you know, um, involuntarily celibate men that, that many have said women should be raped, murdered and, and, or dif um, uh, carved up so that they're, you know, have, um, deformations on their face like they are so angry that they're not chosen by women 
Um, so what a t terrifying movement. Now, would it be great if they were in small numbers? But they're not. They're in like 90,000 of these folk. And that's the last time we tested, you know, checked. I'm sure the Southern Poverty Law Center, they track hate groups. I'm sure they probably know more accurately how many. It's They're often on 4chan, you know, where you can't really track them because they're in the dark web. But there's some serious hostility. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It can be pretty scary if you dwell on that too long. Uh, Helen, uh, were you about to ask another question? I think I cut you off. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so um, on, on the note, we were talking about women's rights. So what do you think about like women that have like internalized misogyny, like Amy Conan Barrett and a lot of these um, women we see influencing online that want to teach woman how to be from like a biblical way and then basically saying that's feminism. So I was wondering um, your thoughts on that. Absolutely. Thank you for that good question. Yes. Um, I'm thinking, yeah, Amy, you know, in her past, uh, Coney Barrett, I guess might be the proper Justice Coney Barrett. I mm. don't want to call her by her first name just because it's female. You wouldn't say Sam to Alito. Um, but uh, so yeah, Justice, in quotes, Amy Coney Barrett um, is basically a, a frightening, frightening prospect uh, of, you know, even in her earlier iteration was considered a handmaid. I mean, handmaid's tale. So, and her talking about liberating women to not choose what goes in or out of their bodies, quite terrifying to me. So the double speak, mm -hmm. the language, languaging, the co-opting of liberation language has been going on for a while. And, and uh, again, in politics, you hear that a lot. We're going to defend and protect the earth, you know, this kind of thing by folk that actually want to keep big oil running you know um mm. um so the double speak is something to watch out for um and um yeah the brainwashing the truth in lowercase t um like the like in other words um the kind of oh that's alternate news you know remember how that one time we heard Oh, that news that was your news isn't true. Our news is true. So what is true is tricky because it the bias is so real and people are telling their pod what is true. And that can include us too, posting what is true. And we only post it to our pod. Recovering from Religion is a nonprofit organization whose mission it is to provide hope, healing, and support to those struggling with issues of doubt and non-belief. Hope, healing, and support is waiting for you on our website, recoveringfromreligion.org. There, you can speak or chat with a trained agent who will work with you through your struggles and doubts or to help find resources that may work for you. You can also find local Recovering from Religion support groups in your area for the long-term recovery work. Resources specifically curated for those struggling with doubts, disbelief, and trauma can also be found on the RFR website. 
To connect with a secular therapist in your area, go to seculartherapy.org and create an account. If you'd like to support the work that RFR does, you can donate or sign up as a volunteer on the Recovering from Religion website. It's also a big help subscribing to the RFR YouTube channel, our blog, or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Questions, comments, and suggestions can be emailed to us at rfrx at recoveringfromreligion.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll be with us next time on the Recovering From Religion podcast.